Welcome to Fear Less, an audio series designed to help you take action towards letting go of your eating disorder. My name is Jessica Flint, and I'll be your guide to helping you embody the recovered version of yourself. Like every human being ever to walk this planet, you and I are not immune to fear. It is biologically programmed into our brains. At the same time, I'm committed to not letting fear control my destiny and want you to have the same freedom. Every time we choose courage over fear, we grow stronger and receive what we desire most in regards to our recovery, our health, love, wealth, and impact in the world. In order to fully let go of your eating disorder and whatever is holding you back in life, you need to learn how to alchemize fear into courage. So let's lock arms and do this work together. Welcome back, my warrior loves. Today, we are going to be talking about the relationship between our worthiness and our fear stories. We're going to kind of look deeper into this idea of the language of worthiness. And along for this fearless journey is my co-pilot, Andrea Wells, the new host of Recover Strong. Andrea, so happy to have you here again, talking about fear as my co-pilot. Thank you, co-pilot Jessica. <laughs> it's wonderful to be here. I'm so excited to keep just digging in deeper and deeper into the different layers and levels of recovery and keep growing. Can, can I be captain, Jessica? And, and you be captain? Do you think both captains in a cockpit <laughs> are like captains? Aye, aye, captain. Aye, aye, captain. <laughs> I, there, don't know how, I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works. <laughs> I feel like we need to learn a little bit more about co-pilots and being in a cockpit um if we're gonna pretend to be pilots let's yeah let's learn something <laughs> and why, yeah why is it even called a cockpit <laughs> i that's something to think about uh research google okay anyways um let's talk <laughs> okay Moving along, we're talking about worthiness here. This is such an important topic when we look at eating disorder recovery because so much of it has to do with this deep sense of unworthiness, a core sense of shame and just not believing that you're inherently good enough, that something about you is fundamentally flawed. And when we talk about this idea of shadow, that's kind of that heavy part that we just have to sit with and be like, Oof, wow, so much of my striving and pursuit of thinness and all of this has to do with just not feeling like I'm good enough or I'm enough as is. Andrea, looking at your recovery journey, the trajectory you're on now in your recovery, how has this factored in this understanding of worthiness, unpacking it and truly seeing how it's been behind everything when you look at your eating disorder recovery journey. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking back to like teenage years when my eating disorder started and messages of, of unworthiness came in from society, from family, around food, body, exercise. I felt like I was not worthy or good enough for society or good enough for my father's acceptance or love or my own acceptance or love or anyone else's because of my body. And these are messages that I received and that made me feel so unworthy, so ashamed. And it went beyond like body size. It tied into food. Am I worthy enough based on what I eat or what I don't eat? Am I worthy enough based on how I'm moving my body or exercising or 
if I'm not doing those things, I feel unworthy. So feeling unworthy of love, unworthy of recovery, unworthy, unworthy of being kind to myself was a hard thing to work through. There's a lot of self-hatred when you're feeling unworthy. And as I went through recovery and being very fortunate to have access to a lot of therapy and recovery resources, I learned about the concept of what if you are just inherently worthy as you are? And that was something that really opened my eyes. It's like, am I just inherently worthy? And it's hard to believe when you are so used to feeling unworthy and not being kind to yourself. So if that's kind of like, I know for me, it was a concept that I was not ready to take in or be like, no, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm not worthy of anything. Like, there's no way I'm just inherently worthy. Don't you know me? I'm broken. Like, that was kind of how I first approached it. And that's really sad. It's sad to look back on that. And I have empathy for you if you feel the same way. And if you don't believe it, just consider, consider the possibility that maybe you are inherently worthy. And it is a practice like so many things in recovery to get to a place of understanding and believing it. And it definitely was for me. Something that helped a lot was just kind of the age old concept. How would you treat a friend if they were feeling the same way as you or experiencing the same things as you? If you're a dear friend or family member that you love and cherish was feeling unworthy, how would you approach that? How would you talk to them and just consider, yeah, maybe maybe you could give yourself the same courtesy, maybe not um, similar to like body positivity that can feel hard to go from hating yourself to loving your body or feeling unworthy to feeling worthy. So you can kind of practice some neutrality as well in there. Like maybe, maybe I'm not worthy, but maybe I'm not unworthy either. That was another thing that worked for me for taking a neutral approach. But as the time has gone on and with practicing self-compassion, which I think is probably the most important thing to recovering from almost any mental illness, including eating disorder. Um, It comes in time. It came in time. I definitely believe now that I'm worthy. I know that if you're listening to this, you're worthy. If you don't feel that way, that's okay. I'll feel it for you. And you'll work on it in the meantime, and we'll get there as we keep going through this. Oh, I love that. I'll feel it for you. It's special. I love this idea of the neutrality. Like Maybe I'm not just to hold that instead of having to go, okay, if something feels so far out of reach in my my belief system, how about I at least just hold space for the potential that maybe I'm not, right? Like to not have to cling, oh, this is truth, but to just open space, hold that space for that. I will say when I was going through the recovery process, this idea of worth really didn't come up for me until it's really been more of a recent thing, probably the past five, seven years, I would say, has been that I've been really working on this idea and concept. So I'm happy that you're listening to it now, listener, like that you are understanding this idea of worthiness and its relationship with an eating disorder and any any type of addictions we hold or, or ways that we feel so limited in our life, it really does boil down to this belief in oneself and not being deserving of, of good things or worthy of of what you actually want, which really limits us and our capacity to go after things or to believe in ourselves, right? This imposter syndrome can be another way of looking at like, oh, I'm I don't deserve this. I'm not good enough as I am. And being able to see people's stories where they are going through that transformational process of of rewiring their worth. I, I think it's always been there. It's just the wires get crossed and all knotted, right? I do believe there is this inherent worthiness, 
but it can just become this tangled mess where you all of a sudden are like, no, I'm not. Like, I don't see, I don't see how I possibly could be. And it's all there. It, That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, it's there. It's we all have it. And I'll say a book that was really pivotal for me was reading Jewel, the the singer-songwriter Jewel. She wrote a memoir called Never Broken. And I was always so obsessed with Jewel growing up. Andrea, do you even know? We're like in a totally different age. Do you know Jewel? I don't agree. You always say that. You're like, oh, I'm so much older than you. We're like seven, eight years. But yes, yes, I know Jewel. I love Jewel. She's talented. She's amazing. Uh, I know she's got a, a healing story herself. Yes. Like she was abused by her father. She had a very difficult relationship with her mother. And when I read her memoir to kind of just see like, oh my gosh, this woman who I always just idolized. Like I just remember that was like the CD that I would listen to over and over and over. And I was just obsessed with you know all of her songs. And to learn about the story that she went through because we're just seeing her in the spotlight like I just saw her in the spotlight to see that she struggled so much with this idea of worthiness it really gave me permission that would be one if I was to look back at my life story like that moment when I after I got through that memoir it was a few years ago gave me the permission to start to open up about my sexual abuse as a child and her songs that she wrote really helped me work through that on my own level when I was growing up. this She had a few songs just about, yeah, Daddy <laughs> was one song that really helped me channel my, my frustration, my anger, everything that happened to me as a child. But it was still the shadow. It was still unspeakable, absolutely unspeakable. Could never talk about it because if I did, that meant ultimate death, ego death. Uh, it was unwelcome and it was denied for so many years. And just being able to share that and open up about it has been so remarkably transformative for rewiring my worth because it has been fundamentally like the thorn. Like, you know, when you have like something in your shoe and it's like always in your shoe and it's always bothering you, but you just like try to get on through life, but it's like there and you're like, ugh. Like it's this like pain that you have that just doesn't go away or feels that way. And it really is in this like position of feeling like I am broken beyond repair or I am damaged forever. And to hear that Jewel <laughs> struggled with similar things in her life and that the reparative process isn't straightforward. Like she still has these tender wounds. She still has these places where her inner child is so hurt by what she experienced. And I equally still have those places. And I'm grateful that I have been on this healing trajectory for decades now, right? And, and have come so far. And when we go into this lesson, I just want to share how important it is for me to share this information around worthiness because I do understand this idea of being feeling fundamentally broken or flawed and just beyond repair. And so does Jewel and so does Andrea. And yep. <laughs> But we understand too that we aren't that, that that was something that was part of our story and the rewriting, the new narrative of that is that I'm healing that and I'm there and I'm meeting all these parts of myself that don't feel good enough, that don't feel loved. And I think it's really interesting how you said that working on the concept of feeling unworthy was something that came many years after eating disorder recovery for you. I think that's so interesting and it just reminds me of how you know stories can be so similar and so different at the same time because that was acknowledging worth and feeling unworthy was a big part of my recovery as I shared. So I just love the the contrast there and the reminder of that 
we're all going through the same thing in different ways. I think that's really beautiful. And um, didn't you say that Jules like one of your dream guests? You want to get her on one of the shows? Yes, yes. If anybody like has a connection to Jewel, like <laughs> come on, like <laughs> help a sister out. <laughs> yeah, let us know. That's cool. That's like, and I and I really uh, relate to when you're talking about like someone that you just love, you love their music and you're like, oh my God, they have such a intense story that I can relate to. So personal and inspiring. That's me with Demi Lovato. Cause like Demi, I always loved their music. And then as they got older, they talked more about eating disorders, substance abuse issues. I still love Demi's music. And it's like, oh my God, Demi's my dream guest and Demi's my jewel. <laughs> Let's like blow up the recovery war here show's channel and just have like Jewel and yes. Demi Lovato. Uh, who else? We can get Florence from Florence and the Machine. Let's get them begging to come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me see if we have room for you. Just kidding. You're totally invited. <laughs> we absolutely love that. Oh, Got a little confident there. A little cocky. <laughs> cute, cute Demi Lovato confident song. We're shooting for the stars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So listener, yeah, help us out if you have any good connections. And now it's time to get into this lesson where we're really talking about the connection with yourself and your true worthiness. In our lesson today, we are going to look at two primary fears that we all share in how they relate to the concept of worthiness. Now, in an earlier lesson, we explored the four core fears. And to review, they are fear of death, fear of a loss of autonomy, fear of separation, and fear of ego death. And when we unpack these four core fears, there are two in particular that come up a lot within them and are ones that we all share. So these two primary fears that we all share are the fear that we're not enough and the fear that we won't be loved. These two primary fears we all have in common. The fear that we're not enough and the fear that we won't be loved. So as you go through fear less, you've been asked to really pick one fear that you want to work on. And maybe there's a few fears that you're working on as you go through this program. And when you call to mind this fear, can you see any underlying roots of the fear that you won't be enough or the fear that you won't be loved? So in your case, can you take an honest appraisal of your situation, of your fear, and think, Hmm, where does the fear of not being enough and where does the fear of not being loved come into this fear? Because when we're working with emotional fears, more often than not, it's the shame underneath that drives us to have the fears. Shame of not being good enough, shame of not being lovable. In the book, The Gifts of Imperfection, let go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are, Brene Brown talks about this concept of not being enough. And I want to share a quote of hers with you. She says, quote, When we can let go of what other people think and own our story, we gain access to our worthiness. The feeling that we are enough just as we are and that we are worthy of love and belonging. 
When we spend a lifetime trying to distance ourselves from the parts of our lives that don't fit with who we think we're supposed to be, we stand outside of our story and hustle for our worthiness by constantly performing, perfecting, pleasing, and proving, end quote. So I'm going to say those words again, performing, perfecting, pleasing, and proving, these four Ps. Can you think about how these four Ps have shown up in your life from a very early age, how you have performed, perfected, pleased, and proved to try to show that you are worthy of love and that you are enough? These are all ways that we can try to hustle and believe that we have to earn our worthiness. But the reality is, worthiness does not have any milestones or prerequisites. Nothing that you do or don't do will make you worthy. You are worthy as is, in this moment, right now, worthy. And you know when you start thinking, I will be loved if, I will be enough if, these ifs, right? These if-then statements, if this happens, then I will be. If I get this job, then I will be successful. If my body looks this way, then I will be happy. If I get this relationship, then I will be safe and secure. These if-then statements of I will be loved if or I will be enough if can really be clumped into one word, worthy. But we often don't use that language, saying I will be worthy if I can get to a certain weight. I will be worthy if I can afford this house. I will be worthy if I make this much money. I will be worthy when I have a partner. I will be worthy when I have this many followers. I will be worthy when I can do it all and make it look like I'm not even trying. We don't talk in that language. We don't talk in worthiness. We don't use that word. We say, I will be happy. I will be successful. I will be loved. I'll be excited. We use all these positive emotional states to relate to our desired outcome. Meanwhile, there is this void of where you're at now and where you want to be that needs to be paved with your worthiness, meaning where you're at now and where you want to be. You can hold that dynamic tension. It's great to have goals and want to move forward in your life and have a growth mindset. At the same time, if where you're at now and where you want to be within that space, you feel shame or you feel that you're unworthy because where you're at is not where you want to be, then this is where you want to start working in order to become more resilient to face your fears is starting to work on what can help you connect to your innate sense of worthiness while still going after big ambitious goals. If you don't hit a goal, it doesn't mean that you're unworthy. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It doesn't mean that you're unlovable. All it means is you learn something. There's no such thing as failure, only results, right? So if you didn't like what the results you got or the outcome that you got, it doesn't mean that you failed. It just meant that you didn't get the results or the outcome that you wanted. And if you're used to relationship with yourself where you beat yourself up or you ridicule yourself or try to use punishment as a a tool for personal growth, this does not help you keep this connection of innate worthiness. When you can have a stronger sense of innate worthiness, meaning I am loved no matter what, I am good enough no matter what, 
This helps you move past your fears more easily. It may be counterintuitive because you're used to the tough love approach and that's how I'm going to have the courage to face my fears. But the reality is, is when you can start to cultivate shame resilience, self-compassion, and authenticity, you're able to face your fears more readily and capably and consistently. In the lessons to come, we'll be exploring shame resilience, authenticity, and self-compassion because these are so important in helping you have a strong foundation of worthiness. When you can have a strong foundation of worthiness, you can build anything. You can face your fears much more easily. So at the end of the day, so many fears are driven by the belief that I'm not good enough or the fear I won't be loved. So the deeper work here is to cultivate enoughness, to cultivate your own unconditional lovability. This is where the work is at. These are your stable foundations for strong growth. The greatest things in life are on the other side of fear. So let's not waste another moment of our precious lives holding ourselves back. And if you want support to cultivate the courage to face your own fears in recovery, head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com to get on the waitlist for The Courage Club. The Courage Club is a personalized support system and a supportive community to uplift you every step of the way. Picture yourself surrounded by a community of resilient warriors who genuinely care about your progress and will celebrate every victory, no matter how small, and are walking on a similar path to full eating disorder recovery. Inside, we are tackling struggles with food, body image concerns, and negative thought patterns. Head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com and embrace the journey towards a healthier and happier you. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember that fear doesn't have to hold you back. You can live with greater courage and take back your precious power.